Welcome to the Landco Podcast. This is the year-round waterfowl hunter series, where we dissect the monthly activities of a successful waterfowl hunter. I'm your host and managing partner at Landco, John O'Reilly. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Landco Podcast, the year-round waterfowl hunter again with Jody Graff and... So we missed last month. Things were a little crazy, <laughs> busy time of the year. Uh, we talked about like maybe doing two separate episodes, but we're just going to roll through, what would that be? June, July. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to combine those just because, man, at this point, like it's been crazy. Like Jody, do you think we're going to be, be able to like accurately describe how nuts the last two months has been? I can't remember what we did two weeks ago. It's right? a blur. I mean, r- between the rains, you're trying to catch up with what you didn't get done because of the rain last week, and it's it's been a battle. <laughs> yes. So let's just hop in. And we didn't, like, prepare anything because I'm not sure how we can prepare to talk about the last few months, but this it seems like it happens every year, whether it's, like, a drought or a flood or whatever. It's always something. It's always what? Planting season, right? Mm-hmm. May, June, July. So we will do our best to try to like accurately describe what's been going on. Um, and we'll try to do like talk about the um, the process of our thoughts as much as what we did. Because I think that's kind of important because everyone has different situations, right? But that process is usually the same. So do you remember where you were sitting and uh, as far as like what shape you guys were in? Would be end of May? What did we, what did we end up on? So, yeah. Yeah, I was, we were prepping to try and get corn on the ground in the bottoms, uh, but it, it flooded us here and like even June 15th, we still had a lot of water on and really? by the 20th of June or so, we were able to get in there and start planting some corn on some of the higher stuff. And Okay. That's so were you guys 4th of July. What was that? What's the 4th of July? We, we finished up planting corn right around the 4th of July. Okay. So were you guys dead in the water at the first two weeks of June or were you still yeah. trying to, okay, no dirt moving, no nothing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I will start then because I want to, I think we're different. Um, I believe we got our corn in, in the last episode, which would have been May, right? I think we were good and in, and here the drought hit. Not drought. It didn't. It didn't rain for like three weeks or something, mm-hmm. and so we replanted. Um, so the beginning of June was where it got nutty for us. I think we replanted. Looking at the pictures that I uploaded, I think we replanted like early June. But it must have been wet enough because we could not work. We worked all the corn we planted, but we couldn't work all of it because it was too wet. So we probably were able to plant about 75% of what we did in May and June. But that's where we had like, um, and I think we might've talked about it. We were maybe like forecasting that last episode. Cause remember we were talking about like those layers, those bands. Didn't we start to get into some of that? Mm-hmm. So that's what I had. So we got everything in and then like, I think mid to late June, and you'll love this. 
the the next like 40 or 50 feet that we couldn't get the first time in corn is all in sorghum in our stuff. So we're counting on you, man. You said it was going to work. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes. Um, so we, I'll try to pull up one of those pictures because it's to kind of highlight that band. And again, you can't see this, which kind of stinks, but uh, um, well, here, let's see this. So when you guys planted in uh, mid-June, did you just get everything? Yeah, so we went straight no-till. We weren't, we weren't working any of the ground, um, dry fertilizer on top. Uh, we were chasing the moisture. Like as soon as it dried out enough for us to get on it, we were planting it and okay. trying, to, trying to get that moisture that was in the ground, got everything up out of the ground quick. Um, and really got off to a good start. A lot of that stuff I planted a month ago, um, you know, it was head high and really taken off. Um, we've had a lot of rain though here the last few weeks. It's well, when, did you guys not get that? Um, and when was that rain? I want to say it was like mid July or early July. When at least here we got seven inches in like four hours. It's crazy. Did you guys get that or no? Well, it depends on which one you're talking about because I think we got <laughs> those and we missed one of those. And uh, it's been coming three or four or five inches at a time. And, and, that, and that hasn't hurt you. String together. I don't know which one we missed and which yeah. one we got angry with. Uh, but that's so that hasn't been hurting your guys' corn down there. It drains well enough that you're, you're good. Yeah, the river hasn't gotten back out. Oh god. We're still unprotected in a lot of spots. Yeah. Um, but the river hasn't gotten back out. So we've been we've been getting a lot of rain, but somehow skirting by a flood. Uh, I don't know. We we've had twelve inches of rain in the last three weeks. Yeah. I I usually don't whine too much about rain, you know, July <laughs> and August, but Man, we're supposed to be raking hay here in July and August moving dirt, and it's not happening. Not happening yet? Uh, we so we're different. Again, most of our stuff not isn't river, but like three or four inches at a time hurts us. Because we just sit wet, and a lot of times it doesn't drain as fast. Mm -hmm. So um, those are killers. So what happened to us, and it wasn't awful, um, because it happened so quick, it actually shed fairly quick, too. But all of that sorghum it got into. How bad is that? Good or bad? It got off pretty quick. Um, it seems to be doing fine though. Like there are certain pockets that turn bright green and haven't done much, but the the other, everything else has seemed to green back up and be doing fine. Yeah, Milo's really resilient. It, it it can take a beating and just keep coming back. It can you know it's drought resistance. Um, it can handle a little bit of water on it and, okay. and not kill it. Well, good. Um, because I, I think I was planning on trying, like, what did I tell you? One little spot. And we ended up piling it on pretty much everywhere because we didn't have a choice. Like we were talking last time. It's like, well, when you have these bands, mm -hmm. I was going to do millet there in buckwheat, but it's like, it's dry enough that I can get something to it. So we gave it a mm -hmm. shot. And then two weeks after that, we worked the next layer, which was a little smaller. 
it was probably only uh, I don't know, two passes, and that's what we put in our buckwheat and millet. So we're kind of layered this year, but everything seems to be doing good. That's great, man. Diversity is king. I mean, if you can have different food sources, it's just like a fall food plot for deer. If if you can provide different food sources in the same area, you can provide a better food source for the ducks. October, November, December, January. You know, if you put all your eggs in one basket and it's all corn, yeah, it's going to be great whenever they need the carbohydrate yeah. when they need that energy. But by diversifying with buckwheat and millet and milo and corn, and there's probably going to be some more soil stuff in there too, you're going to have a, a lot better opportunity to provide the food that they're looking for today in the same in the same place. Yeah. I think you're right. The only thing that's, that I wish we would have done differently, and it, it just didn't work out that way, was... I wish we could have, and this isn't better for the ducks. It's just better for us in terms of like seeing what works and what doesn't. Like right now, they're all just like sort of blended together. If birds find one wetland, we, we don't know if they're there for the millet, the sorghum, the corn. I kind of wanted to isolate some sorghum just to see if they use it. Um, and I guess we'll be able to tell by what they eat, you know, if the seeds are all gone. But uh, I wish we could have isolated that a little better. Yeah. Um so we haven't really talked about this, but uh, a good friend of mine told me a long time ago that um, every time he shoots a duck, he wants to know more about that duck. So he tries to age that duck. He tries to look at the layer of fat on their chest. He tries to look at um, what that duck's been eating and try to figure out a little bit about where he came from, how old he is and what he was using in the area, what brought him to the area. And uh, a lot of times, I mean, it's easy enough to go breast out your ducks at the end of the day and throw them in a bowl and go on. But if you take a few more minutes and split open their crawl or, or do some digging around, you yep. can find what those ducks are using. Yep, you're right. We, we try to do that sometimes. We don't do it as nearly as much as we should. But um, like you say, Pudic does it every time he shoots a deer. All those guys do it. Shoot so many ducks, we just kind of rush through it. But that's mm. probably a good move, especially this year when we have such diversity. We're trying to see what works. Yeah. Well, um, you, you know, this is kind of a crazy year, you know, with the coronavirus and everything that's going on. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what the fall migration is like. Um, there's not going to be anybody in Canada hunting. You know what? We were just talking about that. Because um, it's... It's getting, the borders are shut down, right? Hmm. And that's going to hold that way, probably. I, I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting though, because a lot of our hatchier birds are the the ones that are, you know, easiest to call, the easiest to kill. You know, you, you know, if we have a great hatch, we're going to have a pretty good duck season all the way yeah. around, because there's going to be a lot of young birds for everybody to hunt. Yep. Uh, we know that mallards are 70% more susceptible. A hatchier bird is 70% more susceptible to a spin and wing decoy in a dry field than a non-hatchier bird, which is any bird that's two years or older. So the, the hatchier birds that usually get shot up pretty hard in Canada in the dry fields before they make it into the States, you know, they're not going to have that much pressure this year. 
Right. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this fall flight. Just hoping that there's more ducks in the fall flight, more hatchier birds in the fall flight and aren't educated and all shot up by the time they get here. And you would, so I always pay attention to like migration, but I don't pay attention to Canada kill numbers too much just because it doesn't really matter to me that much. But that's got to be a pile of birds. Like, I don't know what that is, but if no one from the States is shooting birds in Canada, that's tens of thousands. I don't know. hundred thousand. What is that number? I don't know what they shoot up there. I'm not sure either. Um, but I think that for the last several, the last several years, there's been more birds taken by folks from the U S than Canada. Yeah. I believe that. Over the last 20 years, there's really, really been a lot of, you know, a lot of folks move up to Saskatchewan and, and other places in Canada to shoot them. Um, yeah. One of my uh, partners, business partners is actually going to North Dakota and he hadn't thought about that. I'm like, dude, you might be like the first line of attack there. They could have a good year there, right? Find a hotel room up there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that'll be cool to watch. Um I'm just digging up some of these pictures to see if I can show some of those, uh, like, whatever strips that I'm talking about. Here's one. Again, you can't see it. I'll uh, go live with it for a second. So there you can see I already have the corn planted. This is just one wetland. It's probably 80 or 100 feet. We couldn't work the next 80 feet. So then we'd work that two weeks later and we have sorghum in that but that picture just kind of gives you an idea of the uh the striping that we've been forced to use i can't wait to get to some of your pictures because some of those uh, i'm very curious about <laughs> uh, it's been an adventure let's see yeah, okay uh, all right well we'll get to those um we did during that drought so again we had just pure drought and I think it was the first two or three weeks of June. So um, I'm just popping some pictures up, but we were able to get goose pits in. I mean, we, we were able to work a bunch of ground that we usually don't. So in new areas that we have, um, we have three or four new wetlands this year, and that tiller just does such a good job to prepare that seed bed. Even through smaller, like little trees, it'll chew through. You're a little grainy. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still. Okay, cool. You're on. You're on uh, cell service, aren't you? No, no, Wi-Fi tonight. Okay. You didn't run over your uh, Wi-Fi line? Uh, no, not recently. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I'm struggling with some of these pictures, so I'll get those back up. So corn in in July, through July, and then what? Then you started moving dirt again? Yeah. Yeah, after we got the rest of the planting done, we went pretty heavy moving dirt and you know, two, three tractors and scrapers and a couple dozers and track. We're just trying to chip away at it. 
And so these are mostly what new properties, new levies for new cells, or are you repairing old levies? Um, a little bit of both on this project. Um, we've got a we've got a big project we've been working on since January, and we're going to be working through October on this one project, and kind of getting to a point now um, where we can get out and go work on some other uh other properties and we got some pits to install and water control structures to install here um but uh i've been focusing a lot of our time since we got done planning just moving dirt yeah and and with the rain what's made it so tough the first two weeks of july were really good but i think we worked 11 out of 14 of the first days of july and then the second 14 days we worked five days Oh, really? Just yeah. too much water? Yeah. Um, oh. We were supposed to get a half inch of rain, and we got three and a half inches, and it filled all of our borrow areas that we were pulling dirt from in the timber. Yeah. It it filled everything with water. Oh. Water's standing everywhere. So, you know, we weren't ready for a three-inch rain. We, so we ended up pumping and ditching, and it's, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle since that second week of July. Uh, luckily, we've been, well, I say, yeah, since the middle of July, we've been okay. Um, let's talk about dirt moving in just one minute. So did you got all your corn in, then did you get your, let's finish up the seeding stuff. Did you do any small grains or sorghum or anything outside of that? So it generally, generally depends on how our moist soil crop looks. Yeah. Um, I've got such good moist soil that I'm going to do some disking and we'll plant some Jap millet, uh, in the next 10 days. But mm -hmm. that's, that's mostly for trying to set back some of the perennial vegetation or aquatic vegetation and give us a better, a better start next spring. Um, so what sort of stuff are you having in that soil? That moist soil uh, stuff? Spike rush. Um, river bulrush, reeds canary grass, uh, lake smartweed, um, hydropyperoides is another real sm small smartweed that's perennial and doesn't um, doesn't really produce a whole lot of seed. Uh, just looking for whatever's not productive and mm -hmm. trying to disc that stuff up and and just rotate a r rotate a soil disturbance through it. And really not so much for this year, but more so for next year so that we see the, uh, the turnover or the, the successional stages kind of reset. We'll see more millet and smart weed next year because of what this year. Um, and you just, in general, you like that diversity better. You think it does better than if you were to just rip up 30 acres and plant a pure millet stand. Yeah. So, you know, we may have 600 acres and a couple of units and, and, you know, rather than go in and try to, you know, disc up a hundred acres and put in jet millet or something. Um, I've, I've tried to focus solely on trying to, trying to manage a moist soil so that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to supplement as much, you know, we can right. get some in or we can get some Milo in and really kind of lean heavily on 
the moist soil management. And five years ago, I wasn't planting hardly hardly any millet at all because I was so focused on making sure that we were productive in the moist soil drawdown. And mm-hmm. and when when we have quite a bit of rain like this, the moist soil just does really good. Um, and that's what we're seeing this year. You know, yeah. we've already got monster heads on the millet and uh, Pennsylvania smartweeds coming around. It seems like all the really strong millet stands that we had early on, there's a lot of smartweed coming up underneath it. Um, that after the millet kind of matures, the smartweed will come on and and fill out too. So, it, you know, you can get up to 2,500 pounds to the acre of, you know, natural moist soil food and you know 2500 pounds of the acre you're talking about a 500 acre wetland and man that would support a lot of ducks a lot of seed mm-hmm. my problem is here that's just not what we do we have much smaller areas to get these ducks and so like if we can disc it up we do it i've been trying maybe not to do that you know after learning some of this stuff i i don't know if do you think it's that stuff works because you're on such a large scale out there or do you think it works across the board? Like if I have a 20 acre wetland and there's four acres that's, um, you know, wet and too wet to plant and all of a sudden it's three, four feet high with just, you know, probably some of the same stuff you're talking about. Like in the past, I wait till I can mow and spray and this, that, and I do it. Mm-hmm. This year I let some of it just kind of go. And I, again, I don't know if it's right or wrong or we'll see once we start shooting ducks, but do you think it will work on these smaller areas? Do you think it's because you're dealing with just huge plots? Well, I, I think that, you know, we touched on it earlier. You may have corn and milo and buckwheat and jet millet on one of your units. And, and on any given day in the fall, birds are likely to key on one of those food sources. Mm-hmm. And so if you can have those four and some moist soil stuff it just provides a little more diversity and and without a doubt if you can manage for moist soil and enhance it with food plots or manage your upper elevations and leave some of the lower stuff um to uh, to come up in moist soil and you're just going to provide a more well-rounded form and and hopefully provide better habitat for a longer time period throughout the season and help you stack ducks up early and, and keep them, you know, late in the year too. Okay. We'll see how it went. So you, you didn't plant any sorghum after all this, after all, now you got me planting. You didn't plant any sorghum. I man, I, I didn't have a window. You didn't. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, I had some spots where I would like to gotten it in, but, yeah. I mean, we went from planting corn to, you know, two weeks of rain and, and now more rain. And, and now we're, you know, the last little bit of stuff that we need to do is going to be planted with Jack Millet because we kind of missed that window in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, uh, most of our, not most of our stuff, all of our equipment, when I had a window at my farm, so I'm going to try to my farm first before we kind of go on the client's farms, all of that, our equipment was gone. So i we already had worked that area, but I just broadcast it. Mm-hmm. I broadcast it and drug it, and it came up like I went heavy just because I didn't think it'd come up very well, just broadcasting it, but it came up incredible. 
like looking back, I probably should have lightened up a little bit on it. Like it might be too thick. Is that with Milo? Yeah. Well, it competes pretty well. Um, did you put any fertilizer down? Mm-hmm. Put, um, oh gosh, I want to say 150 pounds to the acre of nitrogen. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But now it looks like carpet out. I mean, now it's probably four or five feet tall, but uh, it's thick, man. So hopefully I envisioned a bunch of small heads out there because it's too thick, but we'll see. It'll surprise you. Really? Yeah. I hope they use it, man. I'm excited about it. I didn't, by the time, I didn't have any time to spray it. I mean, it shot up to a couple feet pretty quickly, but it looks fine. Um, I did try rice. Have we talked about that yet? No. How's that? Uh, well, by the way, on the, uh, on the um, sorghum, I did buy that to uh, it might just be a scam, but I bought the uh, Blackbird-proof variety. Remember that link I, I sent you? Yeah. I, I haven't seen the Blackbird-proof. Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, stronger. I don't know. It's at Hancock Seed. I got a lot of stuff from them this year. Uh, they've been great in the past. Uh -huh. And they have a, um, a Blackbird-proof variety of, I think it's white sorghum. Yeah. Cause that's the only thing that drives me nuts is you see like, I know you said they knocked down what 90% of that, but it yeah. still drives they, me nuts. Yeah. But it looks like they're eating all of it. There's like a million of them in the same you know group. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. But so this rice, and it was purely an experiment. Have you, have you ever planted rice? I haven't. I, we did years ago, uh, kind of a different variety that was expensive. This year, it was cheap. Again, it was from Hancock Seed, and it was like 30 40 bucks a bag. It was nothing, right? So what they said, uh, I'm trying to dig up at least what it looked like. They said you could broadcast it in up to six inches of water, mud flats, or broadcast drill into just dry soil. Seems odd. So we tried it, and... In all of it, we tried it in shallow water, mud flats, and then we uh, broadcast and, and drug one area. Mm -hmm. but, but to get in the uh, um, the water, like the six inches of water, they have you like start it, like germinate it, so like soak it in water and put it like burlap bags. And it was incredible. Literally, like all of it started to germinate. Let me see if I can dig this up. But um, unfortunately, man, and it might be because a lot of the stuff we tried it was like lakes where there's fish, where we actually raise the water up. And like the next day, there was like carp everywhere. So <laughs> I don't know if they would eat that. <laughs> but in, in the dry field, I, so there's one wet area that doesn't have any fish and it's coming up like, okay. Problem is I don't know if it's good or bad. It, like, it looks okay to me. But the, the dry area seems to be coming up pretty good. It wasn't huge. It was like a, uh, I don't know, maybe three acres, two acres, something like that. Let me see if I can find that. It was just kind of a uh, something fun. I had my kids do it with me. Um, but you hear about all those guys shoot ducks over rice down south all the time. Mm -hmm. And the one time I did try it in um, Knox County, sorry, Knox County, and there was no duck hunting in Knox County. We just had a farm and we tried it. Um, but it was a thousand bucks an acre, but it was supposed to come back year after year. So we gave it a shot. 
and we killed limits of mallards for like a few weeks, which is unheard of. But then they then they ate all of it. But it worked incredibly. So we'll we'll see if it works. Um, I'm showing the video now. We literally put, put it in like one of those little baby pools. You know what I'm was germinating wow but again i think it was just fish food and <laughs> literally within like uh on the mud flats it didn't do that well let's see if we can find it in the mud flats it didn't do that well and i think it's because literally so we don't have any ducks yet at our place like they're just not here yet within like three hours of broadcasting that we had like six or eight ducks and a pile of geese just eating it really i don't know how they know that so quickly right man how did that work it's like they can smell it i didn't know right um let's see see if it works Oh, geez. Here's a, also have a picture of us testing some areas to see if we can get in there with a the tractor and we got stuck like pretty much up to the floorboards in the gator. <laughs> um, We've been pulling a lot of stuff out here the last few weeks. I, I'm waiting to get to that one. Um, and I say that our dry field is doing good because I think it's uh, rice. I don't even know what rice looks like. It all came up though, so I believe that it looks like. I'm also not spraying it because I don't know if you can. Like, I don't know. I should have done a little more research, but we'll find out. Okay. Let's get to the dirt moving. Did we miss anything on uh, seeding? Did you get anything else that we missed? Uh, with your corn, what do you do? What do you do as far as a post chemical application? You try to kill it all, you let it come up a little dirty, or what's your no? We like it clean as clean can be, man. And it, it depends on um, so what we like to do is come in with like a 150 or 200 pounds of nitrogen and broadcast it all. We'll get like a buggy from FS and they'll broadcast it out there, and then we work it to work it into the ground. Mm -hmm. um, we did that the first time on the replant, the timing was wrong. We just so we unfortunately to work it and broadcast it on there but then we'll come in um so we'll, that's a clean clean bed then we'll plant it and then with before it's like a foot tall we'll come in and just nuke everything else mm -hmm. and i've never tried it any other way i mean sometimes on little patches that are like mine that i use like a small sprayer i'll miss a few rows mm -hmm. just because whatever you know it happens and those come up a little dirty but for the most part we're clean as clean can be yeah. And you might have a different answer than me, but a lot of the places that we have these um, wetlands, we struggle to get a good crop anyways, right? Like we're not, we're not in A soil or even B soil. A lot of the stuff sucks. And <laughs> so we're killing everything to give this corn the best chance we can. Right. Why do you like to let yours up, get it a little like dirtier, like upland style? I, you know, I, I try to put down atrazine when we plant and let that pre-emergent roll for a while. Well, every year it seems like it's a little bit different depending on rainfall, how well that atrazine sticks and how yeah. long it is effective. And so this year, 
we we didn't get a whole lot of help from it. We had lots of lots of rain, lots of water on it. Mm-hmm. So I've got some spots that are coming up pretty dirty. And I had an opportunity to spray it, and I decided not to. The corn's the corn's gonna outrun it. I mean, without a doubt, corn gonna outrun it. But there's a lot. There's gonna be a lot of food underneath that corn. And, well, that cool. and early in the season, or early in the season, the ducks may not be, you know, keen on on eating corn, but they'll use that structure. They'll be in there. Yeah, yeah, they'll be in there, and a lot of times they'll be feeding on the little seeds, whether they be you know millet or water hemp or something, um, eating on those little seeds, with the safety of the corn, or, you know, the structure around them. Um, Helps them feel safe. Yeah, that'll be well. So we try to accomplish that the opposite way. Like I think we've talked about this too. Like we'll come in and broadcast like millet or buckwheat like now, mm-hmm. where we're sure that our corn's going to do fine, and it it does okay, not great, but again, anything helps. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be cool. We're not in a position where our corn can outrun weeds, at least in most of our. <laughs> <laughs> but. That's cool. And we we also did how you, you're talking about how those early ducks or what specifically wood ducks, at least for us, seem to like that corn is just like structure. Mm-hmm. Um, we did make a new wood duck hole and we we ringed it um, and even flooded some of the water with corn just to give them some structure. And the middle is all small seed. And I'm, I don't think they'll be eating it, but man, it should be a pretty cool setup for them to get them out of the wind into some of that. Mm-hmm. See if that works. Um, that's it for seed for me. But again, it was a, we're, we're rushing through it. We're not rushing. It's been 30 minutes, but, um, we breezed through that four weeks for me and it was a nightmare. Like I lost sleep, right? Like my neighbor replanted three times. The first was a drought. The second two were cause it was too wet. Um, he was actually pumping up into his wetland and then draining it, hoping that it'd get off quickly and raise that water table. But then it rained like seven inches, like a week later. It was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I And I didn't even, I, I maybe put out, I don't know, 300 pounds of millet. Um, just didn't work this year. Usually we're putting out a couple thousand in all of our mm-hmm. lives. And it just didn't happen this year. So we're breezing over it, but it was... Uh, we had talked about like having all that stuff prepared, like as you're able to plant some stuff. And actually for you, it sounds like it worked out fairly easy or straightforward. You just planted all of it and doing moist soil stuff on the rest. Mm-hmm. For others, it's fairly simple in that, and we got corn, we got another band and we did sorghum, we got another band and we did, you know, rice, a little bit of millet. In a double cluck where most of that stuff was all corn and we just did shooting holes in millet and buckwheat. So. As much as I'm complaining, it all came together fairly well. Like we're happier with our crop this year than we have been in three or four years. Whatever. Complain about that. Yeah, keep on trucking, right? As long as the sorghum works, so don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did use. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, I used a. I think we talked about it. Have you ever seen that little hopper they put on top of? like leaf blowers mm-hmm. we use that uh for millet and um buckwheat no not buckwheat and uh rice 
Mm-hmm. And this one worked pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can find that video. Man, it was throwing it out there like 30 yards or so. Wow. Yeah, which the problem is it's only eight pounds. We like we did a bunch of hassling to try to get it to work with like a big like garbage bucket, but it, it none of it worked. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up. But man, it's pretty the only problem is is it's pretty violent. So like we tried it with those seeds that were already germinated, and I don't think that worked. I think it was just like separating them as it mm-hmm. shot out. You know what I mean? Because there was like a there's probably a half inch um, little stem already germinated. And so when that thing came flying out of there, like whatever, a thousand miles an hour. Right. Uh, probably a little rough on those little things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me try to show that. But for the millet, it worked fine. <clears throat> and it, it wouldn't seem like that's a big deal. Um, but gosh, walking around in that mud, mm-hmm. seed and millet. It's a <laughs> Like, then you buy all the equipment to like go out there and do. Sometimes you need waders, and actually, it's like it's just as easy to like get some shorts on, go barefoot. And, uh, right. Well, I just showed that. I fell down a few times. You can kind of see like where the seeds landed, and then it finished after the buck. All right, so I'm gonna bring up the best picture first. Uh oh. <laughs> This is your picture. Where'd it go? You gotta know which one I'm putting up, right? Surely the uh, the scraper on his top. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hear that first before we get into the dirt moving. Was this when you were trying to move dirt when it like it was probably a little too wet to be moving dirt? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned or not. We've had a little bit of rain. And uh, <laughs> so sometimes the, the the gumbo wants to ball up coming out of the scraper. Then you end up with a big old chunk of dirt. And whenever you got a big old chunk of dirt and that scraper tire gets up on its side, you know, gets up on top of that chunk of dirt, sometimes they fall over. And sometimes they roll over into the bar ditch. Oh, <laughs> Yikes! That was is, is that a single? I can't even tell. Is there a, another one in front of that? Or is that just one scraper? Oh, uh, it's just one. Oh man, it's just one. You're lucky. That's a. Uh, was that you on the tractor when it happened? No. <laughs> no, they, they they called me in. And they're like, uh, we're gonna need some help. Uh, uh lucky they have one of those breakaways that roll with it, man. That can that stuff can be a little dangerous. Yeah. Well, it pulled the the rear end of that articulating tractor, you know, off to the side, like yeah. towards the ditch, and spun around there real quick. Um, <laughs> I know, I know that Bo was Bo was his eyes were about this big around, man. He's like, oh, I know what I, you know. <laughs> uh, How'd you get it out? Bring another uh, high We picked it up and pulled it right out. I mean. There's no substitute for the right tool, and that's a, another another situation. What you, what's uh? around. What are you doing here? You're building a cell to flood some timber just off to the the other side of that Barrow Creek. Yeah, so we uh, 
we've been working in there since January, trying to get levees built on the interior um, of this property. And, and we're building a green tree reservoir. Um, property is about 170 acres. We'll have 140 or so acres of water in this pin oak and pecan timber. And it'll be between, uh, it be between a couple of refuges and, and we'll try to, we'll try to work on the birds in the timber on sunny days. Nice. And, so how many miles of levees you got up so far started? Um, close to two. We're finishing up there. Uh, right. installed water control structures yesterday and, and today. Uh, once we get that done, we'll roll into trenching electric and getting the transformers and wells and everything installed. And then we'll get to seat it down, put some rock down the spillways and kind of finish that up. But All right, we're back. Sorry about that. I had a little freeze up on my app here. So um, I'm trying to film that picture with uh, literally just looks like a, a trail that you're dozing through the woods with a couple of dozers. I don't know if it's actually a trail or you're starting a levee there. Oh, we're, we're building a timber hole there. So also, we, the clearing trees, that stuff will be flooded. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a blind in that hole. You'll be able to boat into the blind or right, drive a ranger up to the back of it. How, so how deep will that stuff be? A couple feet? Yeah, um, you know, we want to have good ice eater depth water, you know, in that hole. Mm -hmm. so we borrowed a couple of foot, of, a couple of feet of dirt out of the middle of that hole and took that out and used it for our levees. Um, but have tried to provide some drainage for the hole so we can get water away from it in the summertime. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of properties here on the river. I actually just looked at one yesterday with a client. We, um, let me get us back here. Um, I looked at it with a client that it would have been a land code project. And I'll admit it, man, it scared the hell out of me. Uh, the levees were like six foot. And I'm like, man, this washes away and the whole thing is nothing but a swamp. Like looking at your levees, they look a little more stout than what I looked at. But uh, that specific property, um, there's probably 100 acres of timber uh -huh. that did flood. How open do you think that stuff have to be for the for the ducks to use it. Like I see that this little hole here, it's fairly open. Yeah. All right. So we have, I haven't done a whole lot of hunting in the timber. We just don't have a lot of green tree reservoir, you know, yeah. habitat in Northern Missouri. Um, what little I have done is I know that early in the season, it's easy enough to coax the birds into those big holes. Mm-hmm. Late, as the season wears on, as those birds get educated, um, as they start that pair bonding and and courtship, uh, they will the drakes will try to push that hen off and try to get her alone, and and they'll start looking for a lot tighter holes. Oh, okay. And, you know, late January last year when I was in Tennessee. Um, Man, if you could throw a basketball through the hole, <laughs> they'd find it. Allards could get through there. I mean, <laughs> um, and it seemed like they were after, you know, the tighter, you know, a lot more underbrush and and a lot more vegetation, a lot more structure 
um, you know, in the water, man, these big wide open holes. Yeah. Uh, so so that's funny you say that because we'll out here, we'll be like, you know, birds will work us and flag and be like, man, I bet it's that tree over there. That's like a hundred yards away. We're like next year we're cutting that thing down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're calling them into like a hula hoop, whatever. Um, okay. That was cool. Let's see if you have any other pictures here. Uh, explain to me this, uh, would you do some tiling out in that field or is that just, let me pop that up. This is that area. It looks like you have a drone picture of some, uh, dry fields with, mm -hmm. I mean, either drunk pattern tiling or something that I'm unaware of. Yeah. So those are, those are corn plots. Oh Not yeah. Linear 24 row corn plots that, oh, yeah. um, we, we basically just sprayed out and in the uh, moist soil stuff that was there. Okay. And just kind of picked areas that you could get to that was dry enough. Yeah. I'm trying to, trying to kind of create a border around the outside and, you know, give them some rows in the middle to, to try and get, trying to get in out of the wind and away from some of the pressure and uh, give them a spot to hide. Oh, that's cool. I thought I wouldn't see this when it's done. So all that dirt you no-tilled into, you drilled into. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's that stuff is just all stuff you've dissed in the past, or it's just kind of those moist soil plants? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the fields I've got this year is, like, almost solid water hemp. Is that good or bad? Sounds bad. The farmer in me doesn't like that. Right. But the part of me that likes to shoot bullpen tails likes that. Oh, man. So it's going to it's gonna be a problem next year whenever we go back to farming um, that particular field. We're going to have a lot of water hemp to deal with. But on the bright side, pin's tails do really like it. <laughs> you tell so, me when they so find it. Test that out. We'll, I've we'll never shot a bolt. I still have never shot a bull pintail. It was last year, someone, one of my buddies stood up and shot one. And we got it mounted, but we don't shoot a ton of them. They shoot some on the river, but high grounds, we don't shoot a, a ton of them. Tell you what, a lot of our pintails last two years have moved through before our season even started. Oh, really? Um, you know, we opened that first week in November, and by October 15th, we've had, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of ducks the last two years, and Seems like, you know, one little cold front there before the beginning Ooh. of the season and they're gone. Yep. Kind of like doves on August 31st. Yeah. Well, it's 72 degrees here for a high. I think it was 52 degrees here this morning. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, that's not good. What's your favorite duck to shoot? We haven't asked, I haven't asked you that. That's a tough question. Oh, it ain't that tough. I like yeah. it, but. <laughs> what is it? Uh, greenheads uh, it is without a doubt yeah yeah i like it that man a gun to my head and i can only shoot one more duck it might be a mature wood duck though uh, it depends on whether we're putting them on the wall or eating them that's true that's a different story well both are pretty good yeah um okay oh, i screwed that up is this you out cutting those paths where you put in corn
is that? I don't know what that is. It's kind of grainy on my end. It looks like a blue attachment. Oh, we're cutting RipGat. What's that? So, RipGat Prairie Core Grass is what we use to cover a lot of our blinds. Oh, okay. A lot of our pits. That thing doesn't mulch it. It just kind of cuts it. It cuts it and wraps it. No. Yeah. You need to send me a better video of that. Well, I'll, uh, we've been working on it here the last few days. I would rip get, they call it rip get because it's got a real sharp edge on it. And I, I cut my fingers real bad today on it, but it's not something you want to handle whenever it's 95 degrees out. So it's like, you know, 70 degree weather in August and might as well cut some rip get. Yeah. Know. Why not? <laughs> um, but but that stuff holds up really, really good throughout the season. Real okay. rigid. Um, as long as you can keep the seeds out, because the seeds won't stick to you. And they'll end up down your shirt collar and everywhere they're not supposed to be. Oh, fun stuff. Uh-huh. Um, Man, yeah, I want to see that. That's crazy. Will that little uh, machine work with anything or just... Uh... We, uh, we wrapped up some perennial smartweed today and some rip gut um we went through a couple of patches of you know <clears throat> some kind of sedge but trying to get some different stuff so we can kind of blend in yeah perennial smartweed will dry really red and so anytime you're in or near or around uh you know let's say a lot of smartweed you want to try to kind of blend your blind to yeah your surroundings and um, using using some of that other stuff other than rip gut. Rip gut's real yellow. So anytime we got corn or millet, we're trying to brush that blind with rip gut. If we've got any kind of smart weed or, or trees around, we're trying to cover with uh, either perennial smart weed bundles or, or willows or pin oaks. Yeah. More of that red. How big are those bundles that it spits out? I'll say ten inch in diameter. Okay. Does it work with corn? I don't know. We haven't run it. I haven't tried to run it through corn yet. I don't know. The only reason I ask is usually on our big wetlands we tend to loop them anyways, um, just so it's easy to get in there and they can, it feels like they can see that better. So we usually loop our wetlands a few times. And man, if we could just make bundles while we're doing it, that would be incredible. Oh. It'll make for good camouflage, without a doubt. Yeah. You gotta try, next time you have that thing out in the fall, see if it'll run through uh, corn stalks. <laughs> Rob likes a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What other pictures we got? Here's one. Um, oops. Looks like you got some pipes going in or control structures there. Oh, we got some water moving already. Yeah. Uh, We've been installing water control structures, custom built steel water control structures. Are pretty uh, heavy duty, man. Um, welding everything together, there's not going to be there's not going to be much room for you know failures coming up. You know, in the next 25 years, it seems like with agro drains or some of these plastic structures or plastic pipe or corrugated pipe. Mm -hmm. They get tore up and 
or they get chewed up by muskrats or beavers or or something and and areas where we have a lot or high flood frequency we're we've gone to a steel water control structure that is going to be a little more reliable and a longer term solution what do you just fabricate those yourself yeah, yeah custom no Again, we're not down there in those, that nasty stuff, but we haven't had, we've had agri drains in for 12 years now on projects and haven't had a single problem with them, but again, different environment. Yeah. Well, do you guys have much problem with beavers or beavers yeah. or muskrats? Yeah. But as long as we, like, if we forget to install like a rat guard or a cage on the front, it is inevitable that they will find their way into those things. But as long as we put those on and, we get okay. It was out front, but we can manage that, right? Mm. It's a pain when they get in there and do that. But for the most part, they've been they've held up pretty well. Oh, good man. That hasn't been the case for you guys. Well, it just seems like I I was replacing a lot of them. Really? There's a rubber boot at the bottom that the pipe slides into. Mm-hmm. If whenever you're installing one of those structures, if you don't hand dig that box, you know, a, a spot for that box to sit down below yep. mm-hmm. where it comes in, that will put a lot of pressure on that collar or that boot and will eventually will eventually fail. Um, it'll cut through that boot or will try to settle and, and pull it down and pull it loose and allow water through um you just got to be you just got to be careful when you're installing and and you you won't set yourself up for problems yeah and we um, don't i mean ours you're dealing with much bigger stuff so we do more 12 inches than anything we do a handful of 24 inches they become a little more challenging because we do most of them by hand like we're down there digging and setting them perfectly but i i can see if you don't set those right and start to backfill them and compact them you'll get some pressure that will eventually won't work i can see that yeah 90 percent of the problems i see with uh water control structures are improper installation that's typically the case with everything the other percent are usually caused by varmints of some sort um muskrats or beavers will both chew on the boards chew on the boots chew on the i mean the structure itself or yeah, that we definitely have to replace. We're getting new boards every year, but those things are cheap. But I suppose if you've got a hundred of them out there, you might as well. So you're are you fabricating literally the same concept, just all steel? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's just a steel structure. We're still getting boards and and uh, everything from Agadrain. Oh, okay, use the same boards. Yeah, okay. yeah. Try not to reinvent the wheel on yeah boards. You've got to, um, but. It, so far, so far, we don't have, we haven't had any problems at all with anything settling or getting boards in and out. You know, sometimes you get a little tight whenever you're backfilling. Yeah. Those boards hard to get in and out and after floods and, and after things settle out, it seems like, you know, it, it gets more and more difficult to get in and get them in and out. That um, part is true. <laughs> like that, that's just part yeah. of it, man. Like the first year they slide out, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Put a little grease and they, you can pull them out with your hands. Like year three, you're yanking on them with everything you have. Right. <laughs> so that has... I mean, we've had to try to jack them out. I've chainsawed them out before. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're. I have some dirt work stuff that I've done, but man, we're right now. We have a big project. It's kind of like a fishing uh, goose project, and I can pull some up. But um, it's been taking a ton of our time again. Same as you, man. We're like dodging rains. We work for four days, take four days off. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we're top ground. So like this particular project, it's already big open water, but those geese here, they like the bigger the water, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also like to get open water in the winter. And so like this project we're at here, uh, this lake that you're looking at or they're looking at, it was probably like six, seven feet. You know, aerators won't do very good in six, seven feet. You could throw those little ice eaters out, but you know, what are you getting with an ice eater in a duck hole? A 30, 40 yard hole? Something like that? Uh, it depends on the conditions. Yeah. I mean, if you're guarded 30, 40 yards, um, those aerators, like, you know, we'll get five, six acre holes, but only if we have 18, 20 foot of depth. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're after. So this project, you know, we went from a, I think it was only a two or three acre lake to an eight acre lake, but more importantly, we got we went from probably I don't know six average depth, maybe a max depth of ten to now we're like eighteen. So that, it's a world of difference. Wow. Um, let's see if I can find some more here. But we've been using uh, like an old haul truck, like the scrapers we. We use those a lot. We're building a bunch of flats too for like fishing, which is off subject. Um, but some of these flats were double as like uh, they're shallow enough that we can get out there and put decoys, right? So we're like planning little um, peninsulas to have pitch. Uh-huh. We can hunt both sides, and it's so swampy out there that you'll see when you watch this back. But we're using a big old hi-ho and we're filling haul trucks and just shuffling it out. And then once they put it wherever they want, we'll have a dozer there to compact it and spread it. But it's been a cool project. Hopefully we'll finish that up in a few weeks, but we've been on that for four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, It'd be nice if you could just keep your head down and run. Never works that way though, does it? (laughs) Um, And then when you can, that's when you break down. Yeah. It's funny how it happens. Right? <laughs> okay. Well, let me get us back up. Well, we're up over an hour. What did we miss? What was the downfall of the last couple months? Just the weather? Yeah. Dropping your scraper in the creek? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, man, it just seems like it's one thing after another. Yeah. You, you know? Um, if it would just stop raining, we, we can overcome everything else. Yeah. But it can't start drying out until it quits raining. And that's been the problem here is like, especially when you're holding water in some of those holes, like it could quit raining and it's going to be wet for a while. <laughs> Hate to kick you while you're down. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but we've said this before 
these are the years when neighboring properties don't get anything in, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not this year. It's, some people get some stuff in, but um, you just have to have it consistently, right? So every year they want to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's the case where we're at. Like it, it takes us a while to, um, you know, people saying print ducks. I don't know if that's the right terminology. Um, they know they're coming there because there's food and everything they need. Like for a new wetland for us here, it'll take two, three years for them to really find it. Is that the case there? Mm-hmm. Yep. So like missing a year or two, especially on a new project, yeah. uh, it can set you back a couple of years here. So do what you can, right? Every every time. Yep. Every year. Just, just keep pushing until you can get well, until you run out of options, you know, we, we've run through most of the options. We're down to jet millet and buckwheat now. Yeah. Um, if you can't, if you can't get something in, hopefully you got some kind of natural food, yeah. but that year in, year out providing high quality habitat, those ducks remember keep yep. their buddies with them. For sure. Well, how late did I keep you past your bedtime? Uh, 10.01. 10 o'clock. Man, I get much sleep here lately. <laughs> up uh, till midnight, up till midnight, getting up at four thirty and <laughs> trying to beat the guys to the job site in the morning. You know, and it's just no rest for the wicked, I guess. Well, maybe it'll rain tonight for you. It's the one positive thing, right? I, I'd rather it not rain and not get any sleep. <laughs> yeah, it's sleeping like September when you're just pumping water. Well, never mind. That's when the beavers show up. Sleep in the blind. Yeah, one of these days. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. Anything else that I missed or are we good? No, man. I think we're good. You see what I mean? Like, it feels like everything went fairly smooth over the last few months, and it wasn't anything but smooth. No. No. But, um. Whatever. Maybe next year we'll figure out a way to like just highlight all the bad stuff. Yeah. And no step for a stepper. Yep. Just got to keep conquering, overcome. Yeah. Keep on going. Okay. Cool. Well, that'll do it, man. Uh, again, this one was June and July. So we're going to be kind of, uh, we'll have 11 episodes instead of 12. No big deal. But we will try to be better and do next one. Actually, it'll be August. So like beginning of September. Mm-hmm. Dove season. Yeah. And one of these days we talked, I'll cruise out there and uh, see some of the stuff. We'll just sit down and do one video, some of that stuff. So you think of a good time to do that besides when the pintails are there. That also, that one for sure, but another time. Deal? Uh, Whenever. Just come over. I'll put you guys up and show you around a little bit for a couple of days. Okay. If... uh, it, with all your free time, I'm sure you find I know, right? Uh, we'll, we will slow down. And and so the difference between probably your pumping and our pumping is we're just pumping out of clean, like, strip mine lakes. When we get to pumping season, our life, life is good for us. Yeah. So come, like, September, or we're moving dirt and stuff, but it, uh, it slows down a little bit. So, cool. We will catch up about a month from now. Okay. Sounds All right, great. Thanks for listening, guys.